the furthest thing from winning a championship is what the 1988 Baltimore Orioles did. The book is called uh, A Season to Forget, the story of the 1988 Baltimore Orioles. And on with us right now is the author, uh, Ron Snyder. Ron, how are you? Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. That's our pleasure. First of all, can you give us any dirt on Brittany Everett? Uh, she was a great student, and, and I highly recommended her uh, for her current position. So I know she's going to do great things. I can't say anything negative about her. You know what's you've especially... Just, you've just ruined this entire show. You, I know. You know what's especially <laughs> impressive is that she got this job in Maroon PR, and she chose not to ask either one of us for recommendations. There you go. Yeah. That's, that's... Actually, I did um, put you on for recommendations. So. Me? Yes. Not correct. No, not Craig. Yeah, you were a little worried about Craig, weren't you? <laughs> yes. All right. Anyway, Ron, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, how long have you been working on this book? Since 1988? Well, you know, the funny thing is the idea for, for it kind of came into my head. I'm sitting in the press box during the 2014 ALCS, and I'm just thinking about looking at all the fans in the stands and how far <laughs> the franchise had come back. Mm-hmm. And I start writing it around... 2016 is when the Orioles were in the, um, you know, the wild card. And I told my publisher, there's no way that the Orioles would ever be worse than they were in 1988. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I have a lot of people that say I jinxed them with those, with that, with, with that, with that phrase. So, so did the um, book actually come out in, in 2018? Well, no, the book actually comes out, uh, it's released, uh, on Tuesday. I okay. started writing it in 2016. Uh, you know, kind of doing the research and tracking down. As you can imagine, just trying to track down, you know, people from 30 years ago is, is a, yep. a labor and a process. So, um, so it was kind of a you know two year process to really you know from from conception to publication. All right. Well, we'll look forward to taking a peek at that book when it does come out, and it's due out. What you say in the next week or so? It comes out Tuesday. Okay, that's some fantastic. On Amazon and and, and all who's, your local bookstores. Who's the? Is it is it necessary in the old days when you'd have a guest on? You'd say it's Nebraska Press or this press. It's, is that even necessary? Um, it's Skyhorse Publishing. So it's uh, they do a lot of uh, a great um, you know, sports related uh, books. Uh, I've worked with them in the past, so. Um, they, they did a great job helping me get this uh, this book out. To, to I'll never it. I'll never forget Frank Robinson during that streak. He says, right before they went on the road and mm-hmm. then they finally went in Chicago, he looked at all of us and go, and this is like 0 and 15 or so, and he says, you know, he says they fired Cal Senior 0 and 6. He says, <laughs> ah, he says, I don't know if I'm ever going to win again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it was. I mean, it was a, a, a historic. Uh, it was a streak of historic proportions. You know, this is a town that 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 loves, uh, you know, the 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 Iron Man streak. This was the you know polar opposite of that, obviously. Oh yeah. Well, did you ever get a chance during the uh, conception of this book to talk to Cal Junior or Billy about or, or Vi about the firing of their dad? I, I did. I did talk to Cal pretty extensively. Um, you know, I was uh, ironically it was uh, John that helped uh, you know set that up. Uh, you know, so I appreciated him for for that. Um, you know, and, and you know, he said he, he found out about it on the way to the ballpark. You know, he heard it on the radio. I think he said he. Wow. Uh, and you know, obviously, it was a very t- it was a time it was, it was a very conflicting time for him. Him and Billy are both on the team. Yeah. This is a franchise that he came up with. He's you know living his dream. He's playing with his dad and his brother. And you know, to, this was obviously not a talented team to begin with. Um, and for them to 
you know, pull the uh, rug out from under Cal Senior after uh, you know, just um, six games was you know, was very upsetting to him. But you know, as as we all know, Cal, you know, he you know, was a professional and, and came to work every day. You know, it's interesting. I, I remember that time period pretty well, and I never thought that Cal Senior would get the job. And I always felt that Hank Peters kind of put his foot down to Edward Bennett Williams, and it really signaled the end of Hank. Uh, yep. being the general manager under Edward Bennett Williams, too. Well, if you remember, uh, after he was, uh, um, after Hank Peters was fired, I think his famous quote was, was I'm relieved to be relieved. Right. Uh, it was going into the, uh, after the 87 season. So it was uh, you know, definitely a, a very frustrating time, I think, you know, coming off from the years after the 83 World Series. You know, it, it is interesting, and I was a big fan of Edward Bennett Williams and, and what he did for the, the, the club being in this city long term because without him signing that lease long term, uh, and if he passes and there's no stadium, you never know what would have happened. But he was not, he was not funded the way a lot of ownerships were in those days, and he took on a team that – had uh, had a lot of cuts in in scouting, and they'd lost a lot of scouts to being hired away. So it was sort of the cause and effect of a number of years of of poor planning and poor organization, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I think it, what what happened was obviously we from '66 to '83. You know, this was the most successful franchise in baseball, if not all of sports. And what happened was slowly but surely, those scouts that helped develop the Oriole way, that helped bring in. You know, players, everyone from Brooks to Jim to Frank, you know, to, to Booth, Bobby to Gritch, you know, Bobby Gritch, the, the Belangers of the world, you know, and so forth going up the line. You know, they move on, they move up the chain, and there wasn't a, a pipeline. You know, they didn't develop a pipeline. And, you know, it's, they come into the 80s, they, you know, they have, the, they have the great trade in 76 that brings in, you know, from the Yankees, that brings in Dempsey, that brings in. McGregor, uh, Martin, McGregor, and Tippy Martin, Tippy Martinez, and among others, had a great trade from with the Yankees. That's kind of set up '79. That set up '80, '82. They set up '83, and then you know we get into this free agency world, and they didn't know what to do. Yeah, um, you know, they 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 took chances on um, players. I think Edward Bennett Williams obviously was 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 dealing with cancer at the time. Mm-hmm. He wanted he wanted a quick fix. He wanted to try to get him back. Um, you know, they go out and they trade for you know, guys like Jeff Stone, and they go and they sign Freddie Lynn, and um, and they kept on some players probably longer than they should have. Yeah. Um, you know, like a Scott McGregor, you know, again, did so much for the Orioles, but by the time you get to the mid to late 80s, it was obvious the injuries had kind of caught up with them. So yeah. it was a, really a confluence of things that kind of built up, and you know, they were competitive in 84, 85 to a degree, um, and then – Kind of the, even Earl couldn't bring them back in '86. Well, '86, '86 was really fascinating because they moved to within two and a half games of the Boston Red Sox on August 5th, right? And then they col- absolutely collapsed in '86. Well, and they're very similar to what they did in 2017. You know, mm-hmm. they were right there, right there in the mix for the wild card yep. after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. They drop off, um, and then they collapse, and that collapse just kind of took a, a you know. Steamrolled into 2018, so it was a lot of parallels between I, I know you know, Craig, that time and this time. I know Craig has some questions, but the word that you used is is really ironic because we've got this new fa- fangled thing called analytics, and Mike Elias and Sigmate all are bringing that in. But the word you used is pipeline, 
right. this club is very similar to that 88 club in that there was no pipeline when things went bad. And these guys have been brought in with the mandate to create a pipeline. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is really this time right now. It's really the first time you've really seen a stripped-down rebuild. I mean, even in 88, going in 89, we can talk about that in a minute. But it, it, they've never really completely torn down and rebuilt before. Right? That no, I can remember. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Billy Ripken was on the cover of Sports Illustrated right. with, with the bat in his head kind of – you know, leaning against the bat as he was holding the bat, sitting down in the dugout. Have you? What did he tell you about any of this, or did you talk to him at all? Yeah, he was one of the ones. I wasn't able to get him for the book, um, but, I mean, he was obviously, just from talking with Cal and, and my memory and reading, he was obviously more upset not only about the streak, um, but also about Cal. You know, he took Cal Sr.'s firing, I think, even harder than, 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 than Cal did. Um, and you know, he's obviously, obviously was one that always wore his emotions on his sleeve. Um, I know, I, I think he's, he had mentioned, uh, I saw him on a, uh, MLB special about the, the streak and he's like, why do you guys want to talk to me about this? You know, and it, that was kind of my concern when I started writing the book. I'm like, it's really easy to talk to someone about winning a championship. I'm like, I wonder if these guys are going to go say some not so nice things. And I'd ask them to tell them, talk to me about you know, the worst experience in their professional lives. Yeah, refresh my memory real quick. A couple of years ago, there was a team that was had a pretty lengthy losing streak. And people were starting to talk about, you know, matching the Orioles' 21-game uh, losing that? streak. Yeah, I know. I can't okay. who but, but And I remember seeing Billy at the ballpark, and I, and I asked him about it, and he goes, no, I, I don't want them to do it. He says, because everybody's asking me about 88. He says, and I don't want to rehash those memories again. So it still sticks with him to this day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, 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 I, and who can blame him? I mean, you know, I think for, for modern-day fans, uh, the only thing I think I can parallel for Oriole fans would be Chris Davis's hitless streak. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. The streak took yeah. on a life of its own. It became a national story. You had reporters following the team for all the wrong reasons. Um, you know, um, <laughs> uh, from when I, and I, I remember you saying this was, that was your first year cover with the team, Craig. I mean, from the reporters I talked to, Ken Rosenthal, Keith Mills, uh, Scott Garcia, told me that there was as many reporters covering that team towards the end of the streak as it would be a team in the World Series. Well, we had Richard Justice on a few weeks ago. Uh, right after the death of Frank Robinson, and he 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 talks about a night where they all went out to dinner. Him, Kirchin, uh, Frank, Frank's paying for dinner, and you know he says, you know, I got a, I got a call from the president, and right. you know, and and, and Kirchin's like, no, you really didn't. He says, yeah, I did, yeah, I did, and then finally, you know, they got up and went, you know, just to grab a drink or something. Came back, and Kirchin says, well, you know, what did you? What did the president say to you? He says, he says, he says, Frank, I know exactly what you're thinking or how you're feeling. And he goes, Mr. President, you have no idea what I'm thinking or feeling. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And uh, I was, I mean, was, the Pope was, I think, was praying for him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he had uh, was it uh, the, the DJ was on for 10, 12 days in a row um, on 98 Rock. Um, you had, I mean, this was, I mean, this was before social media too. So not all the games were on TV. Not all the games. You, know, you had some games. That, I mean, it led the Today Show. It led the NBC News. It led CNN. It was on. It was. It was all encompassing. It was a kind of, and, and they found a way to lose a game differently every week. Brooks Robinson said, "I was, as he was doing the TV." Said, "I was just waiting for that one moment where you just knew that the game was going to come apart. It could have been an error one game. It could have been a bad pitch next. They make a great pitching." 
one night and they couldn't get a hit. They get hits and then they couldn't get pitching. It was just something different every night for 21 straight games. Well, it was interesting last year. There was never an 0-21 stretch with the, the 2018 Orioles, but as the season wore on, we realized that they were going to have a worse record than the than the 88 team. Yeah. Well, well, and I was always finishing up the book. I kind of like when they started, you know, the ironic thing is they won on opening day last year. So that's why you know, this team is probably people, uh, that was the ironic thing. But I learned, and, and I got done the end process of the book. I'm looking at, you know, comparing where they were in 50 games and mm-hmm. 60 games. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're, they're, they're going to do worse than 88. And yeah. it was a. Uh, you know, it was a, it's a tough stretch because I mean, this, this team was probably that last year's team was probably had more talent on it overall than that '88 team, which was you know surprising. Um, but you know, of course, that '88 team still had Cal, it had Freddie Lynn, it had Eddie Murray, um, had Mike Boddicker. So there was you'd have thought with players like that, you could have at least lucked out a win somewhere along the way. Hey, I promise we'll get you back on like around June 1st, somewhere around then, because we'll we'll push it for Father's Day a little bit. Absolutely. But, but one last topic for today is, and I don't think, look, this team, this team in 18 never lost uh, 21 games at the outset, but the one difference is they were able to come back off the road, and now they won the last night in Chicago to break the streak, yep. but they came back to Fantastic Fans Night, 54,000 people, a sellout at Memorial Stadium. Uh, this club right now, for a variety of reasons, doesn't have that kind of support. Now, and, and you know, I think, look, we were only five years removed from a World Series in, at that point in time. Yep. And you got to remember the the, the the time that we were living in. Look, I, I'm I was nine years old at that time. Um, look, we're we're five years removed from the but we're also four years removed away from the Colts leaving. Um, you know, Maryland basketball was falling apart after Len Bias death. Mm-hmm. Um, this was really a dark time in, in Baltimore sports. And and for all the praise that we give Edward Ben Williams for making the deal to get Camden Yards, there was still concern from a lot of fans. They were going to move to D.C. They were going to move to Tampa. They were going to move. And then we would have been a, a, a major league city without a major league club. So I think fans wanted to come back and show, look, we, you know, you, you might be losing right now, but you're our team. Yep. We're going to stay with you. Um, and, and I think it's something that could only could have only happened in Baltimore. You know, um, you know and, it, and it's interesting. I wonder how – I mean, there's no question that Edward Bennett Williams, when he bought the team, was at least thinking of sort of a split franchise and having one mega market that would house the team. But he ended up finding a great deal of loyalty to Baltimore, and he knew what the Orioles meant to this town, and that night was an expression of that. And that was the night that Edward Bennett Williams signed the lease – uh, right. That allowed for the building of Camden Yards, and it was his last public appearance as yep. owner of the franchise. Um, and so that will end up, you know, for all the talk. I mean, I think they even had. I remember uh, reading, uh, you know, they were actually scoping out Laurel and and that that area soon mm-hmm. after they bought the franchise. But I mean, that look. I mean, that we have we have a, a gem here downtown. It's it's tough to get people. So we we've dealt with a lot more losing than winning since eighty. You know, since you know in the last twenty five years, and I think, and there's a lot more opportunities out there for entertainment and you know we could have another show about you know all the socio-economic reasons that people aren't coming out to the ballpark that's a whole yep, other discussion that's a whole different discussion time. but fantastic fans night was was very special there's no question about it absolutely all right uh the book is a season to forget the story of the 1988 baltimore orioles it's from C- skyhorse publishing oh. 
and um, that's available on Amazon, correct, that's this week? Available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Uh, you know, I'll be out uh, May the 4th at the uh, Barnes & Noble and White Marsh signing them. So if you want to get something for Mother's Day, Father's Day, you know, come on out. I'm glad to... Uh, Sign a copy for you, Craig. Anything else? No, we're good. Uh, I I lived it once, and I'm much like Billy. I don't want to relive it again. But I will. But I will read the book. (laughs) Well, I appreciate it, and uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. And uh, and you got you guys have a a great producer there in Brittany. Yeah, we do, and we know the bottom line is that you got her this job. She had nothing to do with it at all. No, she got it on her own. No, you know. She's a great gal. We've been dealing with her for a year and a half now, and and we really know the story. (laughs) She's got ethical ethical standards. Oh, maybe maybe it's the two of us that don't. Okay, I understand now. (laughs) Hey, Ron, thank you very much for coming on, and good luck with the book. Thank you. Good luck to all you guys, too. Thank you so much.